Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. I'm giving honor to God, giving honor to Pastor Eddie and Sister Melinda, Pastor Steve and Sister Lindsay, all of you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I greet you in the name of Jesus. Um, it really is a privilege uh, to stand here and share a little bit of what God has put on my heart to share with you. Um, also, it really is my honor um, to get a chance to lead the youth ministry. I am supported by some amazing um, leaders, and I get a chance to work with some amazing students. Uh, so parents, if you young people, your grandchildren, whomever, uh, do not hang out with us on Wednesdays at 7, please bring them. Um, it would be an honor to minister Jesus to them and introduce them to some other um, wonderful and godly young people. Um, we have a lot of wonderful things rocking for the youth. We have our conference coming up, missions, trip, camps. Um, if you want your young people to be saved, please bring them, and we will preach them and love them into the kingdom. All right. Um, I want to continue this series that we began a few weeks ago uh, on the fragrance of Christ. Um, today, I want to speak to you from the subject, the fragrance of of grace, the fragrance of grace. So I love Jesus, I serve Jesus, and I have failed Jesus too many times to count. I have made promises to Jesus that I have not kept. I have heard his word pointing out areas of growth in my life, and I have left those areas unaddressed. I have left things in faith at the altar and picked them back up in my doubt. I love Jesus. I serve Jesus. And I have failed Jesus too many times to count. I have hurt people and hurt God I've thought some things, said some things, did some things that I am deeply ashamed of. If some of my worst days were shown on this screen, you'd question why someone like me gets to preach. Why do I get to pray for people? Why do I get to lead a youth ministry? I love Jesus. I serve Jesus. And I have failed Jesus too many times to count. Given my sin history, I do not deserve the life I have with Jesus. I don't deserve the peace I have with Jesus. I do not deserve to hear the voice of Jesus. No, God has the right to punish me for all of my wrongs. And yet, I stand here today preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ not trapped by my record of sin, not weighed down by my past, because my God does not get even with me. I serve a God who is full of grace, meaning he shows goodness towards those who only deserve punishment. I serve a God who is full of grace, Meaning he freely shows favor towards those of us who constantly hurt him. I don't know what you've heard about God, but this is how he reveals himself in the scripture. Psalms chapter 103, verse 8 through 12. 
the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so is his great towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 through 19. Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins under your feet and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14 through 16, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the son of God, let us hold firmly to what we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who was tempted in every way that we are, but who has not sinned. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might find mercy and grace in our time of need. I don't know what you heard about God, but this is who he reveals himself to be in the scripture. We serve a God who does not get even with us. I love Jesus. I serve Jesus. And I have failed Jesus too many times to count. But he does not fight fire with fire. He does not return disappointment with disappointment. Rather, when I fail, I can fall before the throne of grace and he will pardon my sins and teach me how to stay out of sin's cycle. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Today, I want to show you from the scripture further evidence of the grace of Jesus at work in the lives of human beings and how we as Christians, grace recipients, have a responsibility to carry that same fragrance of grace into the world. We're going to look at a few scenes in the Bible where the fragrance of Jesus is spread and how we as recipients should spread that grace as well. I'm going to do this in three points. First, I want to talk to you about the damsel. The damsel. Second, I want to talk to you about the disciple. Last, I want to talk to you about the debt. The damsel, the disciple, and the debt. Let's read some Bible. We're going to go to John chapter 8, please. From verse 1 through verse 11. We're going to read, then we're going to preach. The damsel. Y'all ready? Here we go. Let's read together. John chapter 8, 1 through 11. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts. 
where all the people gathered around him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. Now what do you say? Let's keep going. They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. The damsel. There's so much that could be discussed in this scripture. A lot of it I'm not going to talk about. What does Jesus write on the ground? Where's the man caught in adultery? Were these Pharisees peeking in these people's windows, watching them do the do? What I'm most interested in is how does Jesus treat an unsaved person who is guilty of sin. Because I think this is the question that folks wrestle with, which keep them from coming to Jesus. I don't know how he's going to treat me because of all the things I've done. So many people say, oh, don't invite me to church. The roof's going to cave in because I I sin too much. Oh, I can't talk to Jesus. He don't want to hear me. We haven't talked for a long, long time. We might make these comments in jest, but what they reflect is a dangerous belief that only the godly get to come to Jesus, then everyone gets sent, everyone else gets sent to hell. That's not what the Bible says. The guilty woman is brought to Jesus, and because of Jesus, the guilty woman escapes the condemnation for her sin. The guilty woman comes to Jesus, and Jesus silences all of her accusers. The guilty woman comes to Jesus and is embraced by Jesus, even though a few hours earlier she was in the arms of someone she was not married to. There's grace for the damsel. The Pharisees saw her as a home wrecker, a law breaker. But Jesus treats her as a damsel in distress, trapped by her sins and trapped by sinful people. This woman, he says, needs a hero. This woman, he says, needs a savior. She doesn't need a stoning. There's grace for the damsel. Unsaved friends, what I want you to grasp from this scripture is that despite what you heard, Jesus does not want to kill you because of your sins. Your sins are what have sentenced you to death. But Jesus wants to rescue you from your pending judgment. 
He's the only God who shows us favor when what we actually deserve is a stoning. Friends, I don't care what kind of stuff you're involved in. I don't care whose bed you just came out of. You might have a stone with your name on it, but Jesus wants to be your escape from condemnation. Jesus is your only way out. Jesus is your only way into a life that is free from sin. The best thing these Pharisees ever did was drag this woman to Jesus. Likewise, the best thing you and I can ever do in our sinful condition is come to Jesus. You have not come to a judgment throne. The scripture says you have come to the throne of grace where the guilty can go free because Jesus has already paid the penalty for your, for your sins. It's not that you didn't do it. You definitely did it. It's not that you're not guilty. You're definitely guilty. But Jesus paid the price already. And so those who come to him get to have his holiness, his righteousness, his freedom applied to them for free. Amazing grace. This grace is for the damsel in distress. Brothers, this grace is for the dude in distress. If you're caught in sin... And there are stones with your name on it. Jesus is your only way out. He doesn't want to kill you. He wants to remove your sin from you and set you free. Everybody all right? Let's keep moving. So there's grace for the unbeliever. Grace for the damsel in distress. But what about... What about for the believer that blows it? Right? Because the unsaved are going to do what the unsaved do, right? Sin has got to sin. <laughs> but what about those of us who've gotten away scot-free <laughs> and do something really, really stupid? Is there grace for us too? Let's go to John chapter 21. I want to talk about grace for the disciple. Grace for the disciple. John chapter 21. Okay, so some context first before we read. Um, This is the story of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples who once told Jesus, all those other 11 joker disciples are going to leave you, but as as for me, I ain't going nowhere, Jesus. You can count on me, Jesus. Jesus, I will die for you. Famous last words. (laughs) A few chapters later, Jesus is taken and Peter runs. And then a young girl says, yo, you, you know Jesus. And he swears and curses up. I mean, it was rated R, this kinds of stuff he said. Up and down that he never knew Jesus. And this is the first time him and Jesus are having a private interaction since the night he betrayed Jesus. And friends, this could be very, very awkward. 
like, wouldn't you expect to hear a giant? Yo, I told you so. (laughs) So this is the context of that story, okay? Now let's pick up some reading. John chapter 21, uh, 12 through 11. All right, ready? Y'all are not talking to me. Ready? Fantastic. Here we go. Uh, Verse 2. Jesus said to them, come and have bread. Now, time out. I just told you. (laughs) I just told you. He betrayed the man. He cursed upside. He cursed a little girl. (laughs) That's like unpardonable sin. You can't do that. And suddenly Jesus is like, yo, you want to go to IHOP? Come and have breakfast. Let's keep reading. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and what's he doing? He's having communion now with the dude who just betrayed him. Took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised to the dead, raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, (laughs) Jesus said to Simon, Peter, yo, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Grace for the disciple. Christians, you and I, we're going to blow it. Yeah. We're going to do some stupid stuff. Stone-worthy stuff. Kick me out of the church stuff. Put me to sit down stuff. Just like Peter did. Is there... Is there grace for us, though? When we blow it, our shame tells us, listen, don't go back to church and don't go back to Jesus because they're going to be so ashamed of you. They'll be so disappointed in you. Like, you done preached a whole sermon. You went up there and testified. You went up there and gave the announcements. How are you going to go back to that church now? Just stay away. That's what our shame tells us. And so, oftentimes when Christians stumble, we hide. Just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. So we stop coming to church. We stop answering the phone calls from pastor. We stop responding to the brethren's text. Hey, man, I miss you. Hey, girl, I haven't seen you in a long time. Hey, we're doing small group. Hey, we're playing basketball. We feel like, hey, I I can't connect with them because there's no way they're going to love me because of, like, the things that I just did. I'm done. Friends, in this scripture, we see that the grace of God is so powerful that Jesus cooked breakfast for the man that broke his heart. 
You see, God is not new to human disappointment. Since the beginning of human history, God has been watching human beings blow it and then run away. I don't care how many mistakes you've made since you've been a disciple. You're not the first, nor are you the last child of God to do something stupid and want to hide. God knows who he's in relationship with. Your bad choices don't hurt him. They don't scare him off. In fact, in the Old Testament, God told the prophet Hosea, I need you to go and marry a prostitute so the people understand how terrible they are and how consistent I am. He said, y'all are reckless. Y'all are so unfaithful. Y'all be wilding out. And I'm just such a good husband. And I love you anyway. God knows who he's married to. He's married to me. He's married to you. On purpose. Mm -hmm. So friends, when you blow it, God isn't shocked. What he is is sad and just asking, hey, can, can we sit and talk about this? Can I, can I feed you my word and let's sit and discuss like what's on your heart? Jesus just wants to repair what's broken. Friends, there's grace, even for the disciple who knows better and doesn't do better. Believers, sometimes we are just so hard on ourselves. And we think, to whom much is given, less grace is extended. That's not the scripture. No, at the throne of grace, Jesus wants to get back with you, not get back at you. Of course you shouldn't have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't make it good. I'm not excusing our sins. But what's also true is that from the throne of grace, the disappointing disciple gets another chance and another chance and another chance. There's grace for you. I love this story because it clearly shows us that Jesus loves the disciple that disappoints him. Jesus says, I'll still welcome you. I want to clear the air. Let's talk about the thing that you did. I'll reestablish my covenant with you. I still have value in you. Sisters and brothers, I know some of us are not consistent in our walks with the Lord. I know some of us are afraid that if we confess we're struggling, we're going to be excommunicated. But this scripture tells me there is grace for the believer who does something very, very stupid. At the throne of grace, disloyal people are not sentenced to death because of their disloyalty. At the throne of grace, disloyal people get the royal treatment. Here, the one who was disloyal is not talked down to, they're just talked to. Hey, how you feeling? How's your heart? You hungry? How you been? Did they hurt you out there? You know I still love you. Here at the throne of grace, the one who is disloyal is restored back into the fellowship. They're not kicked out of the fellowship. 
everything we're afraid will happen. Jesus said, it's not going to happen if you come to me when you've made your mistakes. There's grace for the disciple. Disciples of Christ, there is grace for you when you disappoint the Lord. But you have to come out of hiding and let him know what's wrong. God is not done with you just because you abandoned him. This is the grace of God. It's an undeserved favor. It's an undeserved care in the face of my foolishness and my disappointment. Jesus' actions say to Peter and the rest of the disciples, listen, you let me down and I still love you. You cursed the little girl and I still want you. The grace of God lifts the disappointing disciple. And that's what God wants to do to us as Christians when we've blown it. Jesus says, Peter, I know you don't feel worthy. I know you don't regret. I know you regret what you did. But can I just tell you, I still think you're special. This is what he's saying to the disciple who abandoned him. Peter, can I just tell you the kingdom of God still needs you? Can I just tell you that there are people who will need to hear your testimony? Can I tell you there's something called Pentecost coming and I think you're really important to it? So can we just settle these things now? Because the greater is still before you, it's not behind you. Friends, there is grace for the disciple who blew it. It's not over. Peter, there are people I want you to lead even though you just did that stupid thing. Peter, your voice still matters. Your story still matters. Peter, the call on your life is still true. Peter, the gift I have inside of you is still true. Peter, the mission I have for you, I still want you to accomplish it even though yesterday you blew it. There's grace for the disappointing disciple. Friends, time away from Jesus when we've blown it only leads us confused, leaves us confused and worried. I wonder if he loves me. I wonder if it's true. I wonder if there's hope for me. I wonder if they'll still accept me. I wonder if they'll still like me. I wonder if they'll still call my name. I wonder if they're still welcoming me back. But when you come to Jesus, he's like, hey, how you like your eggs? Huh? Hey, how's your heart? Do you love me? Yes, I love you. Do do you love me though? Yes, I love you. That's what Jesus wants after you've blown it. There's no point in running and hiding. Disappointing disciples, Christians who've blown it, folks who are feeling like the weight of condemnation. Ah, Brother Kavar, you don't understand. Like, pastor preached on it two weeks ago and I did it again. Hey, Jesus is calling you. He says, come, let's reconcile. And let's get back to work. There's, there's no public shame here. There's no, I told you so here. There's a cooked meal, a warm fire, and a heart-to-heart conversation for the disciple who just blew it. This is what God wants from us. There's grace for the damsel. There's grace for the disciple. Okay, we'll go to our last point. There's grace for the damsel. There's grace for the disciple. 
I want to talk to you about the debt. The debt. The debt. What we've seen so far is that grace silences the voice of our accusers, even though we're guilty of what they accuse us of. What we've seen is that grace restores the disappointing disciple. Grace rescues the guilty sinner. Grace shows us kindness instead of vengeance. But what does God now expect from those of us whose debt of sin has been erased? What do we now owe God because of all that he's done for us? Because he chose not to get even with us. What's our responsibility? Let's look at Matthew chapter 18. The debt. Here we go. Matthew chapter 18, 21 to 28. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive these trifling people? Isn't that what he said? They are working my nerves, and I want to be gracious, but it, like, I, I tried the one, two, three, four, five. It's not working. So how many times do I got to forgive him? Up to seven? <laughs> Jesus said, I tell you, not just seven times, but 77 times. What he really meant was unlimited amount of times. Not count 77, and then you're done. 23. Because of this, here's a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlements, a debtor was brought to him owing 10,000 talents, millions of dollars. Okay. Since the man was unable to pay, the master ordered that he be sold to pay his debt, along with his wife and children and everything he owned. Then the servant fell on his knees before the king and said, hey, have patience with me, he begged. I'm going to pay you back everything. I just need some time. Let's keep going. His master had compassion on him and gave him two years to repay. Gave him five years to repay. No, he said, don't even worry about it. You owe me millions of dollars. Don't even worry about it. Consider it done. And he released him. But when that servant went out, <laughs> he found his brother who owed him a couple bucks and said, yo, <laughs> come here. Grabbed him by the throat. You see it in the Bible? Began to choke him and said, fool, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and begged him. And said the same thing he said to the master. Hey, can you have patience with me? Give me some time. I'm going to pay you back. This couple of dollars, I promise you, I'm going to work super hard. I'm going to like borrow it from my friend. I'm going to get my stimulus check. I'm going to pay you back. He refused. <laughs> he said, nah, player. Uh-uh. Instead, he went and had the man thrown in prison until he could repay the debt. When the other people saw what happened, they were, they were stressed. They said, nah, this ain't right. This is not right. And they told the master what happened. Let's keep going. Then the master said, yo, come here. You 
wicked servant. You ungrateful little man. I forgave your millions of dollars because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger. Now, note, this is the only time the master is angry with the dude. Not when he couldn't pay him back for his millions, but when he did not treat the other fellow in the same way he was treated. In his anger, he turned him over to the jailers to be tortured. He said, I'm done with you. (laughs) Until he should repay all that he owed. Now, this is Jesus talking. Verse 35. That is how. My heavenly father will treat every one of you. Unless you forgive your brother from the heart. (laughs) Uh. What does God expect? from people whose debt of sin he has erased. God expects us, recipients of grace, recipients of undeserved favor, to give that same undeserved paper to people who don't deserve it. In other words, because God does not get even with you, You should not be looking to get even with people. (laughs) Brother Kavar, they hurt me though. I know. Brother Kavar, they're going to get away with it. I know. Brother Kavar, they're not even sorry. I know. But what you and I have gotten away with because of the grace of Jesus is so much greater than what anyone has done to us. The debt we owe for our sins could never be repaid by Jesus, I'm sorry, I'll try harder next time. Jesus the offended, died for his offenders so that we could be free from the penalty of all our offenses. And because of that great sacrifice, there's nothing anyone can do to you or me that compares with what we've done to Jesus. God expects those of us who have received grace to be grace carriers, not debt collectors. You don't understand, Brother Kavar, he hurt me. I know. But in light of God's mercy, I don't have the right to be like, yo, I'm going to choke you until... Because of Jesus' sacrifice, we don't render evil for evil, slander for slander. When we receive bitterness and hurt 
we give grace because we've been forgiven the greatest debt by the one we've hurt the most. Sisters and brothers, to make it plain, how do you think you would respond to the woman caught in adultery? What if she was caught with your husband or your wife? What if she was your husband or your wife? Do you want her to hurt like you hurt? Do you have a stone with her name on it? His name on it? Or do you still want to see her before the throne of grace? Where she can receive mercy even though she's guilty. How do you respond to Peter? Who was your pastor? Who used to preach so well, but then one day he messed up. Should he now find another occupation? Is he canceled? No longer welcome at Tim Hortons? Are his sermons all worthless now? Burn his books. He was never a real man of God. I always knew it. Will he forever be known by his last failure? What if he reconciles with God? Can he reconcile with you? Or that bridge is burnt because he cursed the girl. Saints, the church universal is full of X everythings. People who have been recipients of God's grace like us. Forgiven debtors just like us. Is that okay with you or is grace only for you? In the scripture, God the master was not upset when the servant could not repay the debt. He was only upset when the servant did not extend the same grace to his fellow debtors. What does that mean? God's not angry when you come to him with your sin and receive that forgiveness. What he's upset about is when your friend offends you and you're like, ah, they don't deserve my forgiveness. God says, don't you remember your debt? Don't you remember your, your debt? Oh, he didn't talk to me right today. He gave me too much attitude. He stole my money. Friends, don't you remember your debt? Friends, I know, I know some of us have some deep wounds, deep disappointments. But you cannot want your debtors to be punished more than you want to see them before the throne of grace receiving mercy. If you don't want that person to be saved more than you want to see them justice and work, then you got to fix something today. You've forgotten your debt. You're choking a man and Jesus is like, yo, I've forgiven you of so much more and you continue to offend me daily. You, you forgot your debt. Children of God, we are not 
debt collectors. We are grace carriers. And we're spreading that aroma everywhere to everybody, regardless of what they've done to me and you. We're not, we're not letting people get away with it. What we're doing is honoring the one who allowed us to get away. The one who caused us to escape the death that we deserve. We make him happy by saying, you know what? I forgive you. There's grace for the damsel in distress. There's grace for the disciple who disappointed the Lord. And we, as recipients of grace, we forgive our debtors. So Christ forgives our debt. There's grace for the damsel. There's grace for the disciple. Let's not be debt collectors. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence his promises and all people and you can watch one of our services that way as well so god bless you i pray god's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week amen